Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Katie in Seattle, Tiffany in Rome, and today we are going to be answering a listener question. This is from Tyler with the subject line, a random question about music. He says, Dear Katie and Tiffany, I had thought of and forgotten several times a question that has arisen since I started listening to The Bittersweet Life in 2018. Music seems to be an occasional sub-theme that arises. But besides that one episode where Katie's younger relative remixed the theme song, which was super cool, and discussions of Tiffany's opera studies, I don't remember hearing either of you discuss your taste in music very often. After five years of listenership and a few emails, I feel pretty curious. What music do you like to listen to? Has it evolved much since you were younger? Does Katie still listen to the Last of the Mohicans soundtrack? Are your respective tastes different? So that's from Tyler. So music is the food of love. (laughs) And kind of a daunting question for me because I definitely have particular things I listen to, but I'm not a person who's super up on different bands and musical trends. It's not like I'm unaware of what's happening in modern American music, I think. I am. I am thoroughly unaware. So I will just claim that. (laughs) So there you go. Maybe I'll turn it over to you first. Is there a default of what you go to listen to when you're just walking around? I love music from the 60s. Oh, really? I absolutely love it. 50s too. But I found that I really like music from the early 60s. Yes, there are lots of bands that, you know, especially like the the Motown bands. I love them. I like the boy bands too, Um, like the Four Seasons and the Flamingos and the Platters. I I love that type of music. I just always like what, you know, what you could classify as oldies. And I've loved that music since I was a kid. And I just remember saying to my mom, like, you're so lucky that you were, when you were young, this was the music that was being listened to. And this is the music that you got to dance to at your school dances. Whereas I have to dance to Belinda Carlisle's Heaven is a Place on Earth, Um, (laughs) which, you know, looking back better than the stuff that I feel like is being written now, but maybe that's just the lens of time. Um, (laughs) Hard to dance to though. (laughs) Hard to dance to. It yeah. It's more like a song time to roll around time. on the ground to or something. Yeah. I I mean, I absolutely lo- I love, you know, Bobby Darren. And I probably couldn't name all of the people that I actually enjoy listening to because I don't know all of their names. But mm-hmm. just the old stuff. I just love it. I just love the rhythm of it more than anything else. I mean, there are a few exceptions to that. Like there are a few bands that are the modern bands that I like, quote air quotes around modern bands, <laughs> like Queen. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not totally so, modern. <laughs> yeah, not, not exactly. No, I mean, I have a kind of thing that is, I mean, I never like what's new. I never like what's, um, what's, go- what's happening at the moment. And that's true with trends as well. Like I always miss the trends, like the clothing trends. I catch the clothing trend like five years later. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this. Like, look at these high-waisted pants. These are fabulous. Um, (laughs) You know, like five years later. Um, And I feel like the same is true with music. I'm always discovering music way, way after everybody else has heard it and has discarded it. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know what that says about me. 
But through Claudio, I have developed an appreciation for st it's still old music, but it's not as old as the 50s and 60s stuff. I already loved Queen from, again, my youth. And, and I think that's because the songs by Queen have a lyricism to them. They have these amazing melodies. And then there's Freddie Mercury, who's basically, you know, basically an opera singer. Mm -hmm. And so I always loved Queen. And, and also there's a lot of oldie style music. There's a lot of like stylized yeah. aspects of their music that can be compared to music from the, the, the 50s and 60s. So I always liked Queen, but he has helped me develop a taste for David Bowie and for Pink Floyd and Rolling Stones. And I'm not definitely not a huge fan of any of that, but I'm learning to like it. David Bowie, I, I, I like quite a bit the more I listen to. But yeah, I mean, if there, if this singer is alive, I probably am not interested. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I also like old music, but I'm even older than you. I, I think I'm, I like the music of the 40s and the 30s probably the best. I, I love that too, yeah. The swing era, as they say. Mm -hmm. There used to be a show here in Seattle called The Swing Years and Beyond that was on National Public Radio that played a lot of music from the 40s. The Ella Fitzgeralds, you know, the Billie Holidays, the big bands. I love those, yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. I know Washington oh, was yeah. a big favorite of mine. And I was a fill-in host on that show. And so I know a lot about the music of that era. I know a lot of the stories of the people who made it. But that's not to say that that's what I listen to all the time. You know, that's a vibe that I try to create in my house on a regular basis. But... I feel fragmented in talking about this topic because, you know, I, I like the really old things. I'm a big Nina Simone fan. In my 20s, oh, I listened to yeah. Nina Simone constantly. But that said, I feel like now if you were to look at my Apple Music, things that are in my library, it's almost more like a documentation of things that have been happening in my life art projects that I've been working on. There was one time when I used to think that listening through my music library took courage because it was such a roller coaster <laughs> of emotions from high school all the way to now, the good and the bad moments, and that these specific songs can just bring me back to a particular feeling very vividly. And I've put the Tom Cruise memoir on hold uh, for those of you who have listened, that's a memoir that I was writing that's mixing my life with the filmography of Tom Cruise. But in writing that, there were some sections of that piece that were very difficult to write. And I used music to access some of the emotions from those particular real-life moments that I was trying to capture in a book form. If I found a piece of music that fit the vibe of what it was that I was trying to convey... I would sit in my chair and write and listen to that song or that album on repeat over and over and over again, to, just in the background. Like I might not even be really paying attention to it that much, but to just try to keep that feeling alive in my body. And with the fiction piece I'm writing now, I haven't figured out what's the vibe of what to listen to while writing it. And so I've been listening to a lot of just cello music or something like that. I'll just put in like the viola. And then, like, <laughs> and then just listen to like whatever viola music pops up in the stream. But I think out of that 
the the album by this band called Phosphorescence. I listened to one of their albums so many times in a row while trying to write that book, and particularly certain songs, but I don't know if you also have people in your life like Claudio is to you where he introduces you to new things. Like, I can't believe he's just introducing you to Pink Floyd. I feel like I discovered that way back in high school, but. Well, that's what I'm saying. Everyone did. <laughs> Everyone did. And even uh, my, that was I years was, later. <laughs> and even that was not your period. Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with opera as we've established on this show. I was very obsessed with opera from basically 15 onward. Before that, I was obsessed with musical theater. So I, I just didn't get out much, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I wouldn't say I'm an obsessive person, but I am a very focused person. I think when I am into something, I am so into it that I don't want, I don't want anything from the outside. Like, I just want to listen to that. Yeah. And so I was so obsessed with opera. And then, yes, I love the oldies. I had always loved that from the time I was 10, probably. I had a Madonna album, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I had, I think the very first cassette tape I ever owned was Spanish Fly. Yeah. But the very first CD I owned, and this shows, you know, how I matured from the time of tapes <laughs> to the time of CDs. My first CD was Kiri Takanawa's Puccini and Verdi operas, or Verdi, <laughs> sorry, Puccini and Verdi arias. Yes. Which I still own. It's still one of my favorite CDs. Um, That's a very big so contrast from the first CD I ever owned, which was Pearl <laughs> Jam's Phytology. That was the first See, album. here's this is another very important point because Claudio, I mean, like every Italian, not every single Italian, but many, many Italians, especially men who are around our age or a few years younger or a few years older, whenever they hear that I'm from Seattle, they are immediately Pearl Jam, Nirvana. They think I was there. They were like, did you go and see Pearl Jam live? First of all, I'm like, how old do you think I am? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm totally old enough, probably. You're a little too young. Online. Yeah, you're slightly too young. young. Yep. Um, but, you know, but the possibility is there. I was so not into that. And in fact, I hated it. Mm. I It wasn't just like, oh, I'm not hearing it. So I'm not open to it because I'm simply not hearing it. I did hear that stuff because it was impossible to grow up in Seattle in the 90s and not hear it. But I hated it. I really didn't like anything that was coming out. Like I, I remember when the new kids on the block were popular and all the girls in school had the new kids on the block and they're on their little Walkman. I and mean, I'm not comparing Pearl Jam to the new kids on the block. Okay, <laughs> please don't write us hate mail. All I'm saying is I, I hated that too. And like, I was just like, I... I just couldn't stand it. I just couldn't stand any of the music that was coming out of my generation. I remember thinking with the um, the boy bands, New Kids on the Block specifically, I remember thinking, this too will pass. Because <laughs> I thought... Wow, that was very wise of you I thought for that, that they young were so, of an age. I know. I thought that they were so terrible. Um, but the grunge era in Seattle, probably specifically the fashion, the vibe, the... Attitude is something that I very much identified with. I did like the music. I liked how the music changed what was happening in music prior to it. Because like what was happening in the music prior to it was a lot of like R&B and a lot of glam heavy metal. And to have the grunge scene come in, it just felt like everything felt too like 
weirdly commercially polished from boys to men to poison, right? <laughs> uh, like that whole range. And then you bring in these grunge bands and all of a sudden it felt to me at least that it felt like it was something authentic. You know, it felt like what Pink Floyd might've felt like in the seventies, you know, it felt like it was something magical and real as opposed to created by Hollywood, very much like the boy bands were created by the music industry, basically. I would suggest not being a, a expert on, you know, contemporary music, that that is the reason that Pearl Jam and Nirvana are still today, you know, 20 more or more years later, considered to be great, important cultural touchstones. Whereas nobody says that about the new kids on the block. It's like, okay, that was popular at that time, but it's not Sorry, it, do it doesn't have the cultural value. I can accept that and, and recognize that as someone who doesn't like grunge, but like I can still recognize that it had cultural value. You're right. And it's probably its authenticity is one of the main parts of that. I would say in, in most art, that's a big, it's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a big thing. But I mean, a lot of the music that we love from the 40s was so fabricated by the time. Yes, that, like, Katie, but. The distance, the but... glint of distance. Yeah, we don't know how out there that sounded to them at the time. Like Ella Fitzgerald scatting, that was probably cutting edge for her time. And something that took a lot of people by surprise and maybe a lot of people were turned off by and they thought, oh, this is too, you know, give me my my Strauss valses, you know, like I can't deal with this this person just improvising. Yeah. Because a lot of that stuff, a lot of that early jazz is improvised. Oh, I know, um, I know. I'm just saying that there is like, the similar contrast there is like the Ella Fitzgeralds of the time and there are the Rosemary Clooney's of the time and some are like a polished you know musical presentation of a product not to say that the people singing don't have any talent because obviously they do versus um, something that comes from a different place I guess is what I'm saying well I think if you look at the heritage you know looking back at Rosemary Clooney versus Ella Fitzgerald. Like, yes, you can be a fan of Rosemary Clooney. I'm sure there's plenty of fans of Rosemary Clooney out there. I personally enjoy a good Mambo Italiano, but- um, <laughs> Yeah, why not? But who's, the, but who's the artist? Who's the great artist? I think that nine out of 10 or more people would say Ella Fitzgerald because she was the real deal. Yeah. On a different level though, different music level though is- I don't know if you've ever had this because your life was so built around music and my life was so built around talking, honestly. Not me necessarily talking, but other people talking, people exchanging ideas. I did work for National Public Radio for like well over a decade, now inching up on two. And I remember that when I was in the thick of it, I didn't listen to much music at all. I listened to talking when I was working, I listened to talking when I wasn't working. In the radio station I worked at, there were on-air monitors. So basically what that means is that even if I'm working at my desk, I can still hear in the background, way up by the ceiling, what's actually happening on the radio. Just talking, talking, talking. I'd get in the car and listen to talking. And even today, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, right? Lots of talking. Mm. In 2008 or nine, I got the opportunity to go on tour for a month and live with Garrison Keillor, who I think you know who that is, but some people listening might not. He was the host of a very popular nationwide in the United States 
radio show called A Prairie Home Companion. A Prairie Home Companion. Yes. yes. And it was a mixture of audio drama and musicians and skits and storytelling. And Garrison Keillor was the host, the big host of that show. It was interesting to me because I basically lived that show for an entire month. And what that meant was I not only lived in his house in in Minnesota, but every weekend we were putting on the show live in front of an audience somewhere else, New York, Appleton, Wisconsin, whatever the case may be. And there would always be a new flock of musicians who would come in and we'd be doing the rehearsal the day before. And to go from like a job where it's just talking, talking, talking to now all of a sudden you're around people playing instruments, people who are singing, it just enlivened and awakened something in me that had been had gone dormant by not allowing music to play in the background more often and all of a sudden you know I'm surrounded by this live booming music all the time and I thought to myself at that time you must remember this I even have this in a journal somewhere where it just says you must remember to listen to music more often because you feel so differently when it's a part of your life. And granted, like going from listening to mu no music to being slightly off stage when Brandy Carlisle is performing is a wide swing, <laughs> you know? But, but even still, I think from there, I started to try to be like, no, no, maybe today you don't listen to a podcast. Maybe today while you're driving, you listen to some music instead and see where your mind goes. And it seems like the most simple thing but for me, it was not a simple thing. You know, I didn't grow up in a house that played a lot of music. So it, it didn't come naturally to me, even though when I think about it, my whole life is marked by music. Like there's not a moment where I can't say this is the era that this music was important to me. Mm -hmm. That goes back to the idea that listening to my playlist takes courage. You know, because like one song comes on and I'll be like, oh, all those angsty feelings I felt in high school. And then another song comes on and I'm like, Oh, you know, <laughs> that breakup, that breakup, so hard. the death of this loved one, you know, <laughs> you know, or, uh. and yes, Tyler, the last of my soundtrack comes on because you better believe it. It is part of my rotations. Even still, it's still the best, the best soundtrack of all time, in my opinion. And yeah, it pops it's a good on, one. but it's its own roller coaster because I know that album so well that a certain song comes on and you're like, Ooh, the battle at the fort, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I love the names of music on soundtracks. Um, Ooh, the I courier. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it takes you back to like, not only that song, but that moment in the movie. My college boyfriend, Jonathan, had a double CD of Dinah Washington's songbook. Uh-huh. I mean, back in those days, there was no iPods, iPad, whatever, uh, iTunes. There was no eyes. Yeah. Um, it was just what there you was had, no, yeah. I mean, there was no YouTube. There was no way to just automatically get music. You had to, it was kind of nice because it was more intentional. It was like, okay, let me get that CD out that I really love and let me put it in and play it. We played that Dinah Washington CD so much that it skipped by the end of, it was skipping by the end of the year. <laughs> I, to this day, I cannot listen to those Dinah Washington songs without immediately going back to that time. Yeah. I think that's also like that time because of it's, it was so much harder to get curate you, music was that. Yeah. When you just you had ha less of it. Yeah. But even like, as, as opposed to being like, what are you exposed to? I think that's why it was sort of a golden era for the movie soundtrack, because sometimes, I mean, Last of Mohicans is a composed orchestra 
soundtrack, but some of them were just a compilation of different songs of the time. The Stand By Me album. Yeah, Did there you, you go. Stand By Me. There you go. That album. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love oldies, though, because of that album. Not because of the movie. I like the movie, sure. But we had the tape and we listened to that tape all the time. That and the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, mm -hmm. both. I do know what you mean. You're right. Because you don't, you're not hearing as much music. Nowadays, you know, we hear we hear so many different types of music. And you can, you know, we have this endless array, literally endless array of music that we can play at the drop of a hat. Whereas then it was like, I remember I had that tape. And so I was always playing that tape. And I remember so well also the, the year that I discovered, discovered um, <laughs> Queen. Yeah. The year I discovered Queen was actually, I think, the year after Freddie Mercury died. Now I know that. I think at the time I didn't, I didn't know. I had no clue who Freddie Mercury was. I, you know, I just had, it was this summer of, I want to say 1992. It could have been the summer that famous Mike Myers film came out mm -hmm. um, that they play the Wayne's World. Wayne's, Wayne's World. World. Thank you. I think it must have been that year because. Uh, I learned later that Bohemian Rhapsody was actually not one of their biggest hits at the time. It became posthumously, for Freddie anyway, more famous after because of this film. And that was the first time I was ever exposed to it. Mm -hmm. My mother-in-law over in Italy, who I had never met, obviously, uh, <laughs> she was a huge fan, but she's almost 20 years younger than my mom. My mom, no idea. It was past her time in a sense. And she was, you know, raising kids and not listening to the radio much. And so there was no queen in my world. And I just remember hearing that song and I had to go out and buy the single. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't care about what other songs these people have written. I only want this song. I just want this one song. And I bought, I remember it was a single, but it was a tape. Yeah. It was a single. It didn't even have a case. It just had like a cardboard thing you'd slide it in. Yes. And on one side was Bohemian Rhapsody. And on the other side was the show must go on. Mm. Oh. And I remember fast forwarding through the show must go on. I was interested. I was like, I don't care. And every so often it would just, uh. you know, turn around, automatically play the other side of the tape. And, you know, you I wouldn't have a chance to fast forward it. And I remember I, I was exposed a little bit to the show must go on. And so now when I hear, I feel like the Bohemian Rhapsody is so ubiquitous that it's no longer tied to any period of my life. But the show must go on, strangely, is really connected with that time because that was the, I, I remember hearing it, you know, and being like, oh, this song again, <laughs> get me to the good stuff. <laughs> and now, and now I love the show must go on. It's like one of my favorites. Well, it is objectively, I would say a much better song. Than the other it, one. It, it kind of it's is. so it emotional kind of it's just so emotional but also because yeah. of freddie mercury's personal story and when that song came out wow yeah i actually had the wayne's world entire soundtrack and i can remember riding my bike listening to it on the walkman and and it goes everywhere from like the swing of queen bohemian rhapsody all the way to alice cooper's feed my frankenstein like it is a real range <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea any of this stuff. So, yeah. Um, I kind of miss that, that, that range of having, like, a great soundtrack and having it in common with people. Like, you know, if I were to say, if my sister's listening right now and I were to say, you know, the Footloose soundtrack, she's immediately, like, knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. which songs it was, which songs were the ones we sang. Or... It is so different now, the uh, experience, the young people's experience 
uh, regarding music. And sometimes I talk to Claudia about this and it just reminded me of this, the queen thing, because while I was obsessing over Bohemian Rhapsody a few years earlier, and Claudio is even three years younger than me. So he must've been quite young. It was probably the year before he heard the song Innuendo on the radio. Mm-hmm. And he told me the story about how, and I'm sure so many kids from our generation and earlier can relate to this, waiting by the radio to hear the song come on again because you don't know the name of it and you don't know who wrote it. Oh my gosh. And yeah. so he's waiting by the radio and waiting by the radio and finally it comes on and he records it. Mm-hmm. And he records it. And then after he said this song, absolutely, you know, I don't want to say changed his life. That's too dramatic. But it definitely <laughs> informed him culturally. And he played guitar at that age. And he, you know, would, pot, you know, rewind, play, try to learn. He was trying to learn the guitar part to innuendo. And he said it was just around that time that his mom said, oh, my God, Freddie Mercury died. And he said, who's Freddie Mercury? Mm-hmm. And she said, he's that singer. He wrote this. And that was his that was when he discovered Queen was was right after. I mean, it's so sad for those of us who then grow on. I mean, anybody, you know, we go on to love artists who are before our time and we never get to see them live. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's so interesting. Of course, I remember calling a radio station and being trying to figure out like what a song was, you know. Yeah. And then and you're and describing then DJ, you're like singing it yeah, to them like, over the goes, phone. I'm like, you're like, it's like the one that goes, you know, you're just trying to like sing the what you can remember, you know, and, and the guy is like, OK, yeah, I got you covered. And then like a few minutes later and of course like once he says you know i got you covered and this is another thing like do people call djs anymore i don't know but anyway i think so so like once he says i got you covered i've got the cassette tape in you know ready to record finger is hovering above the record and then of course he waits for like 25 minutes or something you know and then finally finally the song i want comes on and to just add to the humiliation a little bit he had recorded me saying, you know, it's the song no. that's like, da, 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 da. <laughs> and he uh, played I hope that. you got that on tape. Katie, do you still have that tape? I don't know. I was just thinking, I wonder, is that still in the basement somewhere? I could certainly check. It would be oh a long God. shot, I think. But if I find it, I'll <sighs> stick it so on brilliant. the end of this episode. But I can't <laughs> say for sure that I actually still have it. And, and I remember years later, I, you know, I didn't even like this song. When I found the tape again, and this was probably ages ago when I was cleaning out like what to bring to college and whatnot I was like gosh I don't even like this song <laughs> why did I <laughs> want to hear it so badly again uh but anyway that's beside the point well Tyler good question very good interesting question took us on a, a quite a roller coaster ride <laughs> there uh and it kind of made me realize I always think that I don't know that much about music but of course we all have a personal relationship with music to some regard you know it's just impossible to avoid well yeah i always feel like music is you can say oh i like visual art i don't like visual art i like you know this medium or that medium or you don't like it but is there anybody who's like i don't like music i don't know you know what i mean like you might not like all types of music but there's got to be some type of music that everybody likes yeah yeah and there used to be a time too for me that kind of this realization like for you, it was Freddie Mercury. For me, it was Pink Floyd, I think. But I used to like to think of musicians and music sort of mythically. I didn't really want to know who they were or how it was made. I wanted it to just be the feeling of it, the experience of it. 
and I can remember the first time I ever, a friend of mine rented a video uh, that was of Pink Floyd playing at Pompeii, I feel. I'm not sure if that's right. Oh, yeah. That's, they yeah. famously played in Pompeii. Yeah, so sure. we watched that, and I just thought, how weird that <laughs> there are, like, real human beings that are behind what this music sounds like. You know, it just is mind-blowing <laughs> to me to watch the sound of it actually be created by humans. And I had mixed feelings about it. Like, I was both in awe, and I was also like, I don't think I want to know more than this. You know, I want to hmm. feel the music emotionally almost more than understand how it came to be. All right. Well, thank you so much, Shyler. If you have a question you want to ask, you are always welcome to write to us, bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. That's bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. While you're writing to there, you can also say, you know what, that Rome trip you've been talking about, I really want to go on that and check and see if there's still slots available. Yeah, and until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Do you have a topic you want us to explore? Send your requests. We love to hear what you want to know. Visit thebittersweetlife.net and contact us with your questions, your adventures, your observations, your favorite episodes. We love hearing from you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. Thank you.